Hello, and welcome to the seventh episode of the World Cycle series, The Vulture. This episode continues from episode six, Brittle Elysia. Thank you to Chloe for once again voicing Elysia, what few lines she has this episode. This episode contains the edited text of the short story Vultures on the Hunt, posted on the 18th of July, 2021, on my blog, worldcyclepodcast.wordpress.com. Enjoy. Elysia had picked up that man's spear, and she had hobbled away from the corpse as her wake descended on it. She had not wanted to kill anyone, she had not wanted to be killed. The stab wound was already a scar on her chest and back, but it did not fade as the scars from her jump had faded. Elysia didn't want it to fade, she wanted to remember what had happened. She wanted to remember what she had done. Though Elysia had never strayed close to people when she could avoid it, she made a point of steering clear of the towns and villages around the savannah. She made a point of avoiding the hunters and the nomads in the plains. She made a point of staying away from people. She sat in the grass with her new spear and she wondered why she had bothered keeping it. She wondered what use the weapon could have for her. And she used it as a walking stick as she wandered the savannah. It must have been months before Elysia used the spear as a weapon. As her wake descended on a comparatively fresh corpse, the lions who had taken down the buffalo circled. Even as so many vultures landed, the lions did not back away, and Elysia found herself standing, spear in hand, watching the cats circle her. One of the lions rushed to lunge at a vulture, and Elysia waved the spear, and the cat backed off. Another lunged, and Elysia nicked the cat with a spear, and it backed off. The lions pressed in closer, and the vultures rattled and screeched, and Elysia swiped at the cats with her spear. But there were too many of them, and they were too hungry. One of the lions darted in, past the spear, and tackled Elysia to the ground, claws spearing into her flesh, mouth wide to sink into her neck. Elysia managed to get her hands up and into the cat's mouth, and she could feel her fingers break, could feel the teeth piercing her flesh, could feel the bones in her hands break. But the teeth did not reach her throat, and the vultures came to her aid, thumping and striking and pecking at the lion until the cat backed away. Elysia gripped the spear with broken, bloody hands, and she charged at the cats and they scattered around her. She charged at the cats, and that shin bone broke again and it hurt. But she still ran at the cats, still swung and thrust with the spear. She pushed the lions back, pushed them away and around. Another lion rushed at her, and it was sheer luck that Elysia's spear struck the cat in the chest and killed her. It was sheer luck that the cats took the message and backed off. 
Elysia charged again, screaming, though whether she screamed in fear or pain or anger was not clear to her. And the lions backed off, hurried back to their shade and their children. Elysia stood, panting, in the hot sun and the dry grass. Blood dripped down the spear and her leg ached, as always. She tried to take deep breaths and she tried to concentrate on the wounds. As she had when that man had stabbed her, she tried to push her magic into her pain. It was an unpleasant, clicking, scraping, wriggling sort of feeling as her bones moved back into place. It was an unpleasant, itching, tearing, slimy sort of feeling as her flesh closed on her hands. And she stood there, staring at the lions as blood stopped dripping. Eventually, she turned back to the feast, turned back to her wake. The vultures spread before her as they never had done before. They let her tear flesh from the buffalo's carcass and shove it into her mouth without struggle. There, on the far side of the carcass, was a vulture with blood dripping down its head and neck, one wing splayed out to the side, broken. Elysia took another handful of fouled meat and shoved it into her mouth as she stepped first onto, and then over, the carcass. She crouched before her injured friend. Elysia wondered. She wondered if her magic could spread from her. She wondered if she could help. She reached out her hand to the vulture who nestled its torn and bleeding face against her palm. The vulture was rough and warm and bloody and stinking. Elysia took a deep breath of the stench. She took a deep breath of the cacophony of feeding and she tried to reach her senses into the vulture. She tried to feel the vulture's wounds as she had felt her own. It was strange, of course, it was like an odd kind of body dysmorphia, an odd kind of derealization. It felt like her body was the wrong shape, like her arms were too long and her legs were too short and her neck was too long. And she felt the break in her arm, the scratches on her face and neck. It was like... it was like pouring bronze into a mold, or it was like pressing mortar into a crack in stone. Elysia pushed her magic into the vulture, and as much as she was not a vulture, she knew how to fix a broken body. And she was not so far from a bird herself. Elysia felt that scraping under her skin, felt that wriggling of her flesh. She felt the pieces of the vulture knit back together, and she saw the bird healing under her touch. She saw the wings straighten, the blood stop flowing. Wobbling, light-headed, Elysia stood and turned and waved at her wake to get them out of the way. She pulled chunks from the carcass and her newly healed friend pushed in beside her to eat. Elysia was so hungry. She needed so badly to eat. It was wearying to heal another. It was so much more work, though it was really just as simple. It was almost like the difference between picking soaked stems from a puddle and pulling the plant from the ground in the first place. They were almost the same but Elysia had never pulled her shoulder out of the socket, chewing on stems. Elysia sat in the grass near the carcass, keeping half an eye on the swarming mass of her wake and half an eye on the lions off in the shade. As they ate enough, more and more of the vultures hopped or flapped over to her to curl up against her or against each other. Idly, Elysia patted their backs or their heads and, like little flashes of light, she felt the vultures flesh. She saw inside their bodies, saw how they worked, how the food boiled in their guts, how the parasites and bacteria stripped the poison from their meals. And Elysia took deep breaths, and she looked inside herself. She found much of the same things there. She smiled vaguely as she considered how like her friends she really had become. 
Once the carcass was cleaned, once the lion was cleaned, Alicia creakingly stood from the warmth and stench of her wake and they started on their way to find something else to eat, leaving the bones to the hyenas. Alicia lay on the ground beneath the trees to sleep, and a great many members of her wake huddled around her. She smiled to herself. It felt almost as if some boundary had been passed, some cohesion had been formed. It was nice and warm, and it stank. As she slept, Elysia dreamed. She dreamed of soaring through the sky, staring down from the dimness and smelling something foul, something rotten, something appetizing. Elysia was quick to recognize that in this dream, she was a vulture. She knew now the feeling of that kind of body. She knew how it moved, how it felt. She enjoyed the sensation of flight. She landed on a branch in a small stand of trees and looked down upon a watering hole. A small number of gazelles drank from the water which bubbled and frothed around their mouths. And as Elysia watched them, that stench seemed to pass to the animals. Slowly, they finished their drinking and they wandered back to where the herd rested in the stiff grass nearby. Another vulture landed on the branch and looked at Elysia. It wasn't quite right to say that this second vulture spoke to her, but it still felt as if it had. That water is poison. Those animals poison. You ought to dispose of them. Elysia woke with the sun, and she remembered clearly her dream. She stirred, and her wake stirred, and puffed, and ruffled, and hopped away to give her room to sit up. I wonder, said Elysia, and her voice was hoarse and crackling. Carefully, creakingly, she stood. I think we must find them. She wasn't sure if she was telling her wake or telling herself. She wasn't even sure how she would find them, but she had a thought, certainly. Elysia reached down, just a little, to put a hand to the face of one of the vultures, who pressed their head against her palm. She took a deep breath of the vulture's stench, and she passed the image from her dream into their mind. After a moment's confused staring, the vulture she had touched thundered into the air and set off. Elysia hobbled southeast, following the vulture she had asked to show her the way. The other vultures followed her in fits and starts, still waking up as the sun rose. She tried to hurry, but there wasn't much point in the effort. Her legs were no more useful than they had been yesterday. Vaguely, Elysia missed the feeling of flight. She missed the speed and ease and power of the wings she had had in her dream. But she couldn't fly, and that was that. She didn't have the power to change her body quite that much. Not yet. It was not so very far to walk, though, before Elysia spotted that little stand of trees, that frothing water from her dream. The two vultures perched in the tree, and she recognized immediately the one who had spoken. The other was the vulture she had healed yesterday. With no scars, no broken wing, the vulture did not look so different from the others, but still Elysia recognized them. She wondered about that, wondered at some connection seemingly formed. Across the rancid pond was that herd of gazelle, the lookouts already staring at her. Elysia could smell them. She could feel the disease they had taken from that pond. She was sure it hadn't yet spread far, and she was just as sure that she ought to stop it. Even with her spear in hand, Elysia was no hunter. She could not run down a gazelle, but she could feel her wake catching up with her. She could smell them, could hear the rattling and thumping of their flight. She wondered at the limits of her newfound connection. She wondered at her capacity for it. 
Elysia sat creakingly in the stiff, prickly grass, and she tried to open her mind, tried to open her senses. She tried to call to her wake somehow, tried to invite them to her. And the vultures answered. Her wake came to her with thumping and rattling, squawking and ruffling. The vultures landed all around her. They hopped and hobbled and hunched until as many were leaning against her as could fit until there was a tight huddle of so very many vultures pressed against her, and pressed against each other. Elysia could feel their rough feathers, could feel their hot skin. She could smell that overpowering stench of death and life. She could feel them pressed against her, she could feel them, accepting her invitation. Elysia took deep breaths of that carrion stench, she closed her eyes and she reached out into her wake. She felt almost like water in her flowing, she felt almost like blood as her senses circulated through the birds that followed her. Like a teacher at a blackboard, not an experience that Alicia had ever had, mind, she showed her friends what needed doing. She showed her friends those gazelles that had drank from the stinking pond. She showed her friends the smell they searched for, and she found that she did not need to explain why. The vultures knew their role, they knew their source of food. It was not so much of a stretch to kill to contain disease, though it was no specialty of the birds. As the vultures thundered into the air, Elysia found herself gasping for breath. She found herself sweaty, dizzy, unfocused. She found herself surprised at the effort it had taken to be in her wake's mind. But the vultures could hunt for her this time. She did not need to run or fight. Elysia could rest here and watch her friends at work. She propped herself on her arms and gazed out at the thundering savannah, at the dust rising from the dry grass as the vultures shrieked and swooped. Elysia smiled to herself as she watched. She felt proud of her friends as they coordinated and pecked. They couldn't scratch, of course, but they bit and they spit and they screeched. The herd ran, splitting as the vultures swooped on only those who bore the stink of that poison water. And quickly, eight gazelles had been pulled to the ground by the screeching, biting vultures. Elysia was hungry. Her friends were hungry. She levered herself to her feet to take some food from her wake's kills. And they were so organized, her friends. They let those who had had less to eat yesterday eat first. They let Elysia eat first. When the corpses were clean, Elysia lay on the hard grass and gazed up at the blue sky and rising sun, and her friends surrounded her, leaned on her and ruffled her hair with their beaks. Elysia fell asleep in the warm sun, and she felt almost like a stone falling from a cliff and shattering, or like a walking stick. She felt her mind splinter into a hundred pieces or more than. She felt warm comfort, full bellies, hard grass. She saw all around her huddle, the gazelles calming in the distance, hyenas watching patiently to try the bones that the wake had left. She saw the savannah from above as heavy wings thumped through the air, and she couldn't smell the stench of the pond. She couldn't smell the stench of disease for a sorrowful moment. But the vultures would find more soon, she was sure. As her body slept, she watched the planes pass beneath her friends. She watched hyenas creep toward the carcasses as insects buzzed. She smiled to herself, smiled to her friends, as she waited to find that stench again. And find it they did. A herd of elephants lowed and prodded at one of their member, an old lady who was struggling to stand at all. The vulture who had spotted the elephant took deep breaths and the stench wasn't the same, but it was a stench that they all knew. Elysia opened her eyes and smiled, pushing herself to her feet with the butt of the spear. It was a strange kind of excitement that suffused her. 
or it was a kind of excitement that many people would find strange. She was excited to spot a diseased animal out in the savannah. It felt like she hadn't been excited for a long time. Other flying vultures changed course to join the one who watched the elephants. In fits and starts, the sleepy wake followed Alicia across the plains, and when she arrived, the elephants looked at her. She wondered how hard it would be to fight a whole family of elephants. How hard would it be to scare them off? But as scores of vultures settled around her, she supposed it wouldn't be so hard as it seemed. We might say that Alicia settled into a rhythm for some time. She slept, and perhaps a member of her wake would find a carcass or some diseased animal, and sometimes she would bother to travel to it. Sometimes she would suggest to some of her wake that they go in her stead. They would clean the corpse, isolate the disease. They would move on to the next. Ulyssia found herself spending more and more time amongst the vultures. She had spent a lot of time with them before, of course, sleeping nearby, walking with them, but now, her mind spread out almost without effort. She saw the world from every direction she could manage. She got used to it. And from time to time would come a person, a vinen, to try to kill her. Sometimes they would attack, sometimes not. But Elysia had a lot of friends, and she had a spear and strong hands and long arms. She did not struggle very much in her fighting. This is where I will leave Elysia again for the moment. Years passed in this routine of hers, and this story would grow too long were I to complete it now. So, until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the World Cycle Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find my writing on worldcyclepodcast.wordpress.com where I post short story every day. If you prefer, you can follow me on Tumblr at worldcycle.tumblr.com where the stories get cross-posted, but I don't do much else. If you're a real weirdo, you can follow me on Twitter at The World Cycle. All these links, as well as a link to the full text of the episode, can be found in the description. Goodbye. I will miss you while I am gone.